As promised, she's all yours, sir. All systems automated and ready. A chimpanzee and two trainees could run. Thank you, Mr. Scott. I'll try not to take that personally. My friends, I can't ask you to go any further. Dr. McCoy and I have to do this. The rest of you do not. Admiral, we're losing precious time. What course, please, Admiral? Mr. Scott? I'd be grateful, Admiral, if you'd give the word. Gentlemen, may the wind be at our backs. Stations, please. Engage all the systems. Aye. Engaged. Clear all moorings. Cleared, sir. One quarter impulse power. One quarter impulse. Welcome back, friends, to Shuttle Pod episode 67. My name is Jared, and I'm here with my friend Brian. Hey, everybody. My other friend Matt. Hey, guys. And rejoining us after a brief hiatus, our, our fearless leader, Kayla. Hey, everyone. Nice to see you guys again. Well, it's nice to hear you guys again. Mm. Welcome back. Kayla, we're, we're glad to have you back. We missed back. you when you were gone. We, uh, we hit an important milestone with the shuttle pod while you were gone. We did our 100th total episode. So this is episode 101. So you are diving into the bottom half of our top 200, I guess. I know I was so bummed to miss our 100th and of course this is Shuttlepod episode 67 but the 101st including all the extra stuff we did right Right. disco and all that yeah I was so bummed I was like oh my gosh is this 100 and then I then I heard it was 101 I was a little bit bummed to miss the 100th episode yeah but it's kind of maybe it's like the it's like the new millennium like instead of Celebrating year 2000, some weird people the were first. like, no, it doesn't yeah. count until you're in 2001. Yeah, because right. there was no year zero. Yeah, whatever. Right. <laughs> well, there was no podcast zero, so this is our 100th one or something like okay, that. Okay, so Matt, Matt, what did you say this podcast could be our 101st? Yeah, I call it our Dalmatian episode. Very nice. Dalmatians. Very nice. There you go. But boom boom. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and a- after after a lot of news heavy episodes, uh, not talking about the uh, events of what's what's going on in the Trek franchise, but also, uh, of course, Discovery reaction episodes, we are kind of glad to be sliding back into our normal pace of retrospectives and sort of self indulgent Trek nostalgia. <laughs> so <laughs> at least at least I am. So yes, today. Me too. We are we are continuing our journey through the different re- our our, our uh, retrospectives. Uh, we are going to talk about the search for Spock, the third of the Star Trek movies. And this is something I guess it's been on our docket for a little while. We're, it has. we're excited to do it. Yeah, people have been asking for this one. Oh, have they? Oh, I yeah, didn't that. people in in our some of our uh, comment sections have asked when we were going to do this. So, yeah, and it's the thirty fifth anniversary this year. Yep. Oh, that's right, because it was 84. So. Oh, and in fact, I think yep, the yep. exact anniversary was last week. It was, June it was. 1st, 1984. Yeah, beginning yep. of June. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So very uh, timely. Yep, that's why we're recording this. I uh, I don't think I saw Search for Spock in the theaters, at least I don't remember it, because I, I was quite little. But, um, but I saw it in the theater. Did you? 
Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you have a clear memory of it? Yes, I do. I was 11 when, when Central oh, cool. Park was released. That's good. Oh, perfect. Yeah, that's... yeah the... Uh, we can get into it when we we are when we uh, go into the body of the podcast, but the preview of the movie, and we're going to read the tagline from that right now. Like I didn't know that the Enterprise was going to be destroyed. Mm. They kept it pretty well hidden until mm. about two weeks before the movie came out, and then the ad campaign came out. Oh yeah, and they showed the Enterprise, you know, <laughs> the shattered Hulk and the Enterprise going across the screen in the ads. Join are us you serious? To join us for the final Don't. voyage of the Starship Enterprise. Uh, to this day, I remember where I was when I saw that. I nearly had a heart attack. Holy crap. Yeah. yeah. That's so stupid to, to yeah. put that in the trailer. Yep. Yeah, what? Because then you to, would, you we've would talked think... about this that in the 80s that they gave away too much in stuff. Remember, we've talked about this before. Yeah. They just yeah. gave away too much. Yeah, but previous. they did it. And, and I, yeah. I think I saw an interview with Harv Bennett where he said that, like, it was like a month before the movie was coming out and they show him like the final, he and Leonard, the final trailer for the movie. And they see that. And they said they were both apoplectic. Oh, they were yeah. like, how could you do that? We managed yeah, to hide seriously. it all the way up to this point. How could you do that? Yeah. And he said that they, they tried fighting it. They tried fighting it and they lost. Plus Jeez. it would, it would make everyone think that this was going to be the last Star Trek anything. Sure. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. makes it sound like this is the final Star Trek film we're ever going to make. So that like sure hurts does. you in Star Trek Four, I think. Yeah. And when that comes out, everyone's like, oh, I thought the last one was the last one. Yep. Yep. Anyway, but I digress. I'm sorry. I got us a little off track there. That's okay. No, that's perfectly germane. And, and I guess I'd asked about it. But let's do, let's uh, dive into it. And Brian, you mentioned the tagline that we uh, copied over from Memory Alpha. Why don't you start us off with that to get everyone back to speed? Yeah, so this was some of this voiceover, I think, was in the original theatrical trailer, and I believe it was in some of the ad campaigns on television. So here we go. <clears throat> a dying planet. A fight for life. The search for Spock. All that they loved, all that they fought for, all that they stood for will now be put to the test. Join us on this, the final voyage of the Starship Enterprise. Wow. <laughs> now I want to see this movie, man. <laughs> well, the voice like that. Yeah, uh. seriously. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so that's 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 the voiceover I heard, you know, on that ad campaign and it was a bit traumatic. Yeah, I believe it. Can we can we like take a look at that tagline real quick and just say if we think that it's accurate an accurate depiction of the film? Uh what what are your opinions on that, Kayla? I mean, I think a dying planet, check. Okay. Yes. Um, a fight for life, not so much. Um, okay. Well. Uh, what's the fight for life? Well, that know. their Klingons trying to murder them. I mean, yeah. but there's not really much of a fight. That's true. <laughs> it, it, the fight is over in about three seconds. And that's not, the, yeah. The search for Spock, okay, check. All that they loved, all that they fought for, all they stood for, now we put to the test. Okay. Okay, I'm actually going to refute you on the search for Spock. They don't really search for him. They know exactly where he is. <laughs> it's a great, yeah. Actually, yeah, that's that's... That was always, yeah, that was always a silly name. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, well, but it's but it's alliterative. It is. Yeah, that's true. So I think yeah. It is. Anyway, what was everybody's impression of this movie? Let, well, let's go alphabetically. Do you want to start, Brian? What was your? Because sure. you've, you've seen this, you know, you saw it in the theater, but I think we I all did. had a chance to rewatch it in the last week, right? Yeah. Yes, yep. I think we all okay. do. Um, okay, so Brian, what, what did you think on this on this outing? I appreciate this movie more as I got older than I did when I was 11. Um, it's a dark movie. 
Spock's death hangs over the movie for the better part of it. Even, you know, as he's coming back to life, you know, the crew's in jeopardy. They become renegades. It was kind of a heavy thing when I was 11 years old and still didn't understand that, you know, not every TV show, not every Star Trek movie was going to feel like the series. You know what I mean? Like I was expect, you know, you, you know, when you're a kid, you want to see the things that you loved. So I expected to see the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Mm -hmm. So to see, you know, this continuing fixation on death and whatnot when I was a kid kind of bummed me out. So I did not love the search for Spock when I first saw it. It grew on me as I got older when I appreciated all the great character moments in it. It's not a good movie in a lot of ways. It's The plot is paper thin. Um, yeah. But the character work is so good. Yeah. You kind of just let a lot of things go. <laughs> yeah. And the character work, I think, is particularly good for Dr. McCoy, who, with Spock out of the way, gets a chance to, to ride shotgun, so to speak. Because he mm. has so many great moments and so many terrific lines throughout the whole thing. Whether it's like when he tries to do the neck pinch on the guy, on the security guy, and, and he can't. Or at the end when when he's gonna, uh, he volunteers for the Katra thing and, he say, and they say, are you, are you sure you want to do this? And he says, that's a hell of a time to ask. It's like, we, why didn't you ask <laughs> yeah, me this three days ago McCoy, before yeah. we went through all this nonsense, right? So, so many good yeah, Dr. Yeah, McCoy yeah. things. Yeah. So, yeah, so it, it works as the second part of a three-part trilogy, like, un, although, of course, they weren't intending to do that at the time. Mm. It was still kind of the accidental trilogy, I think. But it is definitely the, the bleakest of the three movies. I guess that's what happens in your second act, though. It's where you put your, your people in jeopardy, and then in the third act, you yeah. bring them home, which they literally did in the next movie. <laughs> literally. Yep. So, yep. So, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to uh, ramble on. No, that was great. K- Kayla, what did what did you think? Um, I mean, I pretty much agree with with um things that Brian said. Uh, it's not. <laughs> I think I I especially uh resonate with the comment. It's not a great film in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, um, it's not. It's I because you I said forgot, you thought it was dull. I forgot how dull this movie was while I was watching it. I think it was last night, and it's just like it, in my mind. I think I. I forget that the it takes the entire movie to get to Vulcan with Spock. In my mind, like that happens really quickly, and then there's something more after that. But in, in actuality, like the story, the the film, I think moves very slowly because there there isn't a plot really. The plot, mm-hmm. like you said, Especially the plot paper thin. Third, yeah, the, yeah, slow. it drags because it's and it's at the be at first it's okay, it's kind of fun, it's like getting the gang back together, and that's kind of fun, and watching Uhura do. You know, Uhura and, and Sulu, you know, and everything do do mm-hmm. their different different little roles that they have to play. Um, yeah. But then by the time you're like an hour into the movie, you're kind of looking at your watch like nothing has happened. <laughs> like I, I paused it at one point and I saw it was like 56 minutes in and I was like, wait, what? I thought we were still in act one. Like the whole movie is like yeah. act one, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the, the big action sequence in the movie is when they steal the Enterprise, which is a great sequence. Sure. Yeah. I guess yeah, you could also argue that the big action sequence is like Kirk fighting the fighting um Krug on yeah. the I would call him Krug. I don't know why. It's fine. <laughs> I'm gonna call him Krug. Um yeah, Kirk and Krug fighting on the planet and then he kicks him off the thing. But in actuality yes. that scene, like we just said, lasts like thirty seconds. Yeah. And and, and they haven't filled out the like the character of Krug is great because um 
it's Christopher Lloyd, and you know yeah. he's amazing, and and so he's fun to watch. But the, but he's pretty thin character, and he's supposed he's to be one the, dimensional. The, he's supposed yeah. to be the antagonist. Yeah, and and I, I mean we 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 might since you bring it up now, we'll uh, I'll just interject. You'll see him sometimes on like top ten lists of like the best Star Trek villains, and it's just because it's Christopher Lloyd, right? Yeah. Yeah. I agree, because otherwise he's just kind of a thug, and he's not particularly good. He's, he's no. just a, he's, he's kind just of a thug. he's kind of an idiot. Yeah, yeah. Well, his crew his crew certainly are. They can't recognize counting down. You know. <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah. Let me let me listen, and then they're like, get, get out, out of there. there. Yeah. Which yeah. is you know like hey Christopher Lloyd should yell something crazy. Okay, let him <laughs> yell. You know, which is great, and he's he's amazing at it. But like otherwise. Damn, they're stupid, you know? He suddenly yeah, turns into like, Doc Brown. Like, get out of yeah. there, Marty. Get out of there. <laughs> yeah, and, like, and at the time, yeah, like there are times during the movie where I keep hearing Reverend Jim from Taxi. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You will tell me the secret of the Genesis torpedo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that one especially just kills me. Because he, he just sounds just like Reverend Jim in that when he's doing that. that so like, good. oh, my God, it's perfect. Yeah. The, the, the other thing is the And I love him as, like, as an actor. I love him. Me too. I love. He's yeah. One of my yeah, everybody does. Yeah. Um, Krug is also, and I just noticed on this watch through. Watch, uh, watch through. He's kind of inconsistent, right? Like he, there's that scene where his dog dies, and he kind of embraces him, kind of tenderly, to show he's got like a soft side. Or after his crew has been blown up on the Enterprise, like you can see his his head is in his hands, like he's genuinely yeah. mourning them. But this is the guy who murdered one of his crew earlier that day because he accidentally yep. blew up the Grissom and killed yep. his own girlfriend. Yep. Right? Yep. For seemingly no real reason. Because she saw the, the information too about much. Genesis. The demo reel, yeah. But why, <laughs> why did he need to do that, right? Because as it's revealed, he's operating on his own. Like, he's not operating under the orders of his government. Right. Right. Right? Right. And presumably, if he trusted her to do this, he could trust her not to say, "Hey, this secret evil thing you're doing, I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna tell your boss, right?" Apparently, he just didn't have the space credits and just didn't really want to pay them, so it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> gonna blow is, everyone up. Is, yeah. is that in the novelization? Yeah, right. Like I don't know, but yeah, it's but I, yeah, I think the idea was just to, to do it to show that he was kind of cutthroat the, and ruthless. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's yeah. like the okay. So like, if you guys heard of that book, Save the Cat, where it like says yes. to show your hero is yes. nice in the first act, you have him save a cat, mm-hmm. right? That's a little easy thing to do. Yes. So with a villain, you do the opposite kind of thing, right? And with this, you know, if you have them kill their own henchmen, it shows, ooh, that's how evil they are. But uh, yeah. the character's more interesting if he genuinely cares about his crew, and it's just it's just inconsistent. Anyway, we kind of went down a, a crude rabbit hole, but but Kayla, that was we did. that was <laughs> one of you brought that up, and I'd asked you what your impression was, so just perfectly <laughs> my fault. I'll take it. No, it's okay. Do you, do you have anything? <laughs> any other general uh, uh, big thoughts on this you want to start with? Um, I guess nothing really that I need to say. Just again, just to sort of parrot. Just, just to make sure that my review isn't 100% a downer, um, definitely like to parrot what Brian said, that there are really great character moments, and I really enjoyed watching Bones, um, watching DeForest get to do some do some great stuff in this yeah. episode. And I did enjoy actually watching like Kirk dealing with, with death at the beginning of the film. Um, like I to- totally sympathized with him. And I also like, really quickly, we also say, like I really like the way that they wrapped it up, and they didn't, they didn't, put too much of a bow on it they have yeah you know he's not 100 percent spock at the end and i i think that's 
I think that's why is it makes the rest of the film more meaningful rather yeah. than just, yeah. oh, we fixed him. Yeah, yeah. he's 100%. Yeah, because they, they had to pay a price. Um, yeah. There's actually also, um, I'm sorry, you talked about being a dull, dull, and the one thing I had to interject is they show the video of uh, the beautifully directed and edited uh, 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 video of Spock's death twice in the movie. They showed it at the very beginning yes. and then again when yeah. Sarek shows up. As and if I it's think... like, it's, it's supposed to be like file footage or whatever, but it's like clearly like there are multiple camera angles. Sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because they're reusing the footage there. And actually would have been more yeah. interesting if they just had, you know, whatever the establishing shot was for that scene and reuse that, what we hadn't already seen. But, you know, it's okay. It's just weird that they do it twice because that does slow the movie down. Yeah, I agree. Well, well they're, they're doing a recap at the top. That's why it's there. Yeah, but then yeah, it feels the forced to me. I didn't, I didn't like it. Well, yeah, that, that's I, I, um, that's essentially some some producer went. Oh, the audience are morons. And no, also, that's Hart Bennett. Hart Bennett. Yeah, chose that's to do that. that's them just going. Look, we don't think. What if they haven't seen Wrath of Khan? Well, we better do something, you know, like to show it. And so they essentially give you a last time on Star Trek recap. I mean, it's it's silly, but I yeah, get it. I just wish it was you done totally a know more that creatively. Was, is all. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a suit worried about it. You know what I mean? You can. It totally reeks of. You know, yeah, I agree. And I understand movie. why they did it. And, yeah. and showing, I actually think showing at the beginning was okay. It was just weird to rewatch it again with Sarek. I think the mind meld was enough to, to, for Sarek to figure out what the mystery was. We didn't, that's yeah, true. But, he should, he should yeah, but Kirk been, needed yeah. to figure it out. Kirk needed yeah. to see it. It's mm. fine. And you got to remind the audience, like, I don't know. And it's, a, it was a time before DVDs and Netflix. So it's understandable. Yeah. Harder to go back and watch it. Yeah. Matt, what are your general impressions? So it's it's funny. I certainly, as a kid, I liked this movie more than I do as a more discerning adult. But I also think that's partly just nostalgia and the fact that it it's tied together with Wrath of Khan, you know. Uh-huh. And so this is a follow on Wrath of Khan. So there's a lot of sort of goodwill and depth in Wrath of Khan that this trades on, right? Like you just know that it goes from the sorrow and stuff in Wrath of Khan and some of the depth that's there and continues you know kind of rides its coattails uh-huh but, sure yeah watching it alone like rewatching it alone i was like oh yeah that's right this is kind of mediocre oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. it kind of drags here oh yeah like <laughs> oh, excuse me also the production but, values are not great it that's feels- the thing that really god that's what stands out and that's what really sucks is it really just sucks is you can see that they made this so cheaply at times sometimes it's fine other yeah. times oh man does it stand out and it's kind of amazing because they made Wrath of Khan pretty cheap too, but like, uh, but Search for Spock looks even like way yeah. cheaper, way but the, cheaper. Yeah, but the Wrath of Khan is mostly a bottle show, right? Sure. Right. The, the Search for Spock is supposed to be on a planet. It's on multiple well, and starships, that's, and it's that's like, what. Yeah, and that's what's killer about all that. Exactly, is that for example, they were supposed to go film in Hawaii. Like if they originally, well, they wanted for, to. Yeah, yeah, they wanted to, but of course they were like, "Now nah, we don't have the money for that, so let's just all fake it on a soundstage." And boy, does it look like it, it. looks like you know, a soundstage. Like, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's like, oh, really? You couldn't? I mean, look, some parts would have to be on a soundstage. Like when the planets flung up, sure, that's got to be fake on a soundstage. But dude, you couldn't have filmed the first part of the Genesis planet like in Hawaii, really? Like no, okay, so no, they didn't, and. Yeesh, it just yeah. The oh, Genesis planet looks bad. It yeah, really does. It really could have. Yeah, it, looks, it would have helped yeah. so much. Com- compared to how I mean, the Genesis cave, we just see that one you know painting. It's obviously a painting, but that looked quite captivating, right? Yeah. Uh, whereas all this stuff, that. yeah, yeah, the Ge- the Genesis planet looks bad. 
Yeah, no, the movie looks cheap all the way, all the way, all around. The, when they're on Vulcan at the end, I thought that looked nicer than on. The, yeah, Vulcan. But that's even that, but even that, like, required a great deal of trickery. Like, yes, that was yeah. on a soundstage. Yeah, with like a like with a, a orange painting. background, with an orange yeah. background, yeah. and it that looks so bad that Leonard just said, "Just put it out of focus, so nobody can tell what it oh, is." Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, originally they had they had it they had storyboarded out like much more interesting shots and some more like stuff in the back. You know, the the giant statues kind of thing that we would see in TMP would have been around, and like yeah. then they're like, "No, we can't do any of that acts yeah. at all." You know, like all yeah. the stuff was supposed to be much more. You know, in, in, uh, what's the word? Just imposing and interesting and like cinematic, kind of cinematic larger sense yeah. of scale. Yeah, they were yeah. supposed to when they got to Vulcan. Yeah, they were supposed to those stairs that they that you see on Vulcan when they land in the bird of prey uh-huh. that they uh-huh. walk yeah. up. You were supposed to. There was supposed to be a whole sequence there. I mean, I, yeah. I think they shot whole, a little whole, bit of it. Whole different where, sequence yeah. where you know they were going to be walking Spock up those stairs, and all the people of Vulcan were going to be looking and you know. It was going to be like that. They were going to like start really giving you a nice sense of like the the, the pathos of this and the richness of the, the ritual that, that that you were about to see. But I don't know what happened. But they didn't mm. do it. I don't know if they ran out of money or what it was. But yeah, but was, they wow. couldn't pay for all those extras and like stuff to do but, it. Honestly. But you were supposed to see Spock being carried up the up the hillside, mm-hmm. and that never happened. They cut straight mm. to it. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that that just makes me sad. You know, it's like, oh man, this is like missed. Well, and it's a chance to make it feel better and more cinematic. And it yeah. results in in it, the story, like the, the viewing experience being confusing on Ge- Genesis a lot of the times. Like there are two times. There's one time when the sun sets and there's another time when the sun rises. And I'm not quite clear why they decided to put that in the script because it doesn't seem to actually matter. But the sun sets in like a second. Like it just shows yes. a clip of the sun setting and then it's dark. And it went from like yeah, it's, noon it's weird. to like nighttime. And it, and, I think they and it was did like, that to show why? things are like erratic, but yeah. like, that doesn't make yeah. that part doesn't yeah. make and sense. And well, plus yeah. they cut to the shot of like a rocky like asteroid with a sun setting behind it, and then they're cutting back to the surface of the planet, which is covered in trees and cacti and snow. So it's like, which is it? Yeah, yeah. is it the moon yeah. or is it like an M class world? <laughs> and so it's very. It was uh, even watching it this other time. I was like, wait, what? And then they just keep cutting around from scene to scene because they have like three different angles they're shooting from and like 10 silk plants. And so they have to like (laughs) try to make it look like it's a huge planet, except you're like, wait, why did all of a sudden, why are they over by this other rock now? Yeah. Like, so it just ends up, yeah, being like, I I ended up being very confused as to like where they were on the planet and what time it was (laughs) constantly. Yeah, it's true. The time of day thing, actually, you're right. I noticed that this time around too is like, it's suddenly dark, and then by the time like Krug shows up for them, it's midday, like the next day or whatever. Like yeah. really, all of a sudden, you know. And like, they what? show the sun rising for like they need like for some reason because I think maybe they were like, oh shit, like we changed the lighting. We need to explain why the lighting changed. So we'll just show <laughs> that the sun rises in like two seconds. But then it's yeah, like, wait, why? It was, it was <laughs> weird. And, and, see, and like it's weird that they spent time thinking about that, but not you know making it more polished overall. You know, it's like why. That's a detail you didn't need to worry about. Just leave it lit. You know what I mean? Don't right. worry about. Yeah, it's weird. It, it's a, but so like I say, there's a lot of nostalgia sort of for me because of course I remember watching this as part of the Genesis trilogy, like on VHS, right? Like I didn't yeah. see it in the theater. I was a little too young to see it in the theater. So for me, it's it, there. It's just part of that, you know, as we like to say, that sort of inadvertent trilogy, you know, the Genesis trilogy that emerged from this. So for me, it's always been just the middle act of these three. 
Mm-hmm. And I think it carries a lot of goodwill and kind of nostalgia with it because of that. But yeah. yeah, isolated, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's uneven, uh, badly uneven at times. So let, let so. me interject fast because you just said that, Matt. So the Rotten Tomato mm-hmm. score for Rathacon is 89 and for Voyage Home is 85 among critics. And for the, uh, Search for Spock, it's only 80. So it's only, or it's 80. So it's only a little bit lower. But the audience reaction for yeah, Rathacon is yeah. 90. And for Voyage Home is 81, but then for fans is 61%. So there's a, a much bigger drop in the way fans react to this than the critics did. Yeah. Which kind of surprised me, but uh, I just thought that was an interesting little anecdote. And, and Anyway, so that just kind of echoes, echoes some of those concerns that maybe Star Trek fans would pick up on more. Matt, did you have any, did you have any other thoughts? Sort of. Uh... No, no, that's it. We could move on because we're going to have to... Yeah, we got Keep a lot of stuff to discuss. Stuff. My, yeah. my big impression that I want to say, and this is something I may have hinted at before, I think Search for Spock, regardless of whatever shortcomings, is the single most influential installment in the franchise because it, it casts a shadow over so much of the Berman era. And we can we can get into that in some of the individual things as, as we go through the, the plot and the themes and some, some ideas. Mm-hmm. But the one I wanted to highlight right now is the depiction of Vulcans, right? So in this, we see... We see Sarek shows up to, to, to Kirk's house and he's wearing those robes. And that whenever we see a Vulcan in the Berman era, they're always wearing robes like that, particularly in Enterprise. All the Enterprise Vulcans wear robes. And the thing that's kind of weird is if you look at the other two times we've seen Sarek on uh, Journey to Babel and then on Yesteryear, he's just wearing normal clothes. He's wearing a shirt and pants like a normal yeah, guy does. Yeah. Uh, but this, I think, was so ingrained in people's mind that they said oh whenever Vulcans show up they wear robes and in my mind it was always uh, Sarek is wearing a robe because he's in mourning because his son died like it's some kind of uh, ceremonial thing but for whatever reason they're they're always wearing robes and it's the same thing kind of happened with the Star Wars prequels where the Jedi are all seen wearing robes because Obi-Wan was wearing a robe on Tatooine but like he was wearing a robe because he lived in the desert and everyone right, on Tatooine yeah. was wearing a robe, right? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> so so that's just one little thing where um, this this movie really uh, uh, put its feet in the wet cement of the Vulcans for the 24th century. Hmm. Anyway, we, we get to some some more oh. stuff later too. But it, uh, I, regardless of the shortcomings, this is, a, this is a very important movie to the franchise. Fascinating. Anyway. I look forward to hearing more of your tidbits on that as we go Thank on. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I have a particularly good uh, uh, speech about how dumb the design of the space station is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. It's not good. No. Space dock, yeah. It makes, it makes no, no sense. sense. Is this the first time we've seen that? Yes. yes that the first shape. It was made, space for, dock. It was yeah. made for this yeah. movie, yeah. yeah. And, Fascinating. Yeah. Okay, so, but the, the also the most important thing this did is it created the precedent of actors going behind uh, the camera. So, mm-hmm. how does Leonard do as a director? Well, to let let's asterisk this by saying that Leonard also was basically babysat by the very heavily by the producers and by Paramount. They were very like worried about this whole thing, and so justifiably, and they, yeah, justifiably. And they saddled him with like a DP that people don't really have a great impression of. Like he was an older guy that was like from old Hollywood and didn't really know what he was doing with a modern production, as I understand it. Mm, and, I don't know about that. That's what I remember reading, but I, I could be wrong. Um, so, and it, anyway, it just, it's very pedestrian. And I think the yes. sad part is, is he does better with Star Trek four. 
Yeah. By far. So it's, it's yeah, and that's pretty, when uh, they let him. They let him have more ground, right? Because right. he had sort of proven right. himself in the searcher spot. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so they yeah. were very controlling about what he did here. So. But yeah, but his decision, his, the choices Leonard makes in this movie are very pedestrian and very. They like, are. Yeah. It's very it's, point. It's a very point and shoot kind of movie, and Leonard is. is kind of a point and shoot director. Period. Even yeah. in the Voyage mm-hmm. Home, he doesn't. He composes his shot, and the actors move in the frame, and that's 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 a lot of Leonard Nimoy's directing style. Yeah, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. And this one especially just looks. I think it makes it even look cheaper because of that, because it's a very sure. TV style almost. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, very yeah. much so, so. It's very TV. So, yeah. Yeah, I, that, it's interesting you mention that because when I was watching it, I felt like this was a, a two-parter rather than a movie. Sure, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Now, yeah, totally. Now, where he excels as a director, though. Is his actors? Yes. yes. Oh, definitely. I was about yeah. to say. He to, yeah, he knows his actors. For Shatner. Sure. Shatner is so good in this. Yeah. this it's his probably, movie. Probably. Yeah. This movie. is like peak Shatner. Shatner acting is like at his peak here. Right? Yeah. He's yeah. very good at it. He carries the entire movie himself. Yeah. So. And yeah. and my my favorite. I mean the the famous moment from this is when he loses it with Cruz after um after David dies right. Right. Yeah. But my favorite moment with with Kirk in this is when he's talking to the fleet commander. And the fleet commander is saying, uh, you know, Jim, you've always been so responsible. You're not going to get emotional or anything. You're not going to ruin your career. And it's just like slowly closing in on his face. And then Kirk like turns and he's all charming. And he's like, oh, OK, I had mm-hmm. to try. And and, and that. Well, it gets a great smirk, too. This yes. Whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of laughs. He's like, oh, you know, uh-huh. I had to try. But yeah. but you can we know what's going on inside of his head. And, and I mean, there's not a lot to it, but it's very effective little moment. Yeah. Good yep. point. Yep. Agreed. Yeah, I think that's an that's an important point because you know, choosing shots and moving the camera is only one part of directing. And no, absolutely, clearly, you know, that the acting is really good in this. So, yeah, and you can tell that every one every one of his colleagues, at least I feel, every one of his colleagues wants Leonard to be successful. There's no yeah. uh, resentment. I think they do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, they, oh, they were leery of it. The cast. Was oh, were leery they of it? Oh, yeah. oh, interesting. But once he once they got started and realized that Leonard actually knew what he was doing, they, they everything everything was okay. But they would de- oh, oh they okay. were totally leery of it. Absolutely, well, all of them. Shatner, Every Shatner's one of them. also smirking because they have the favored nation clause, which means if Leonard gets one, he gets one. Yep, yep. <laughs> oh yeah, that's, that's right. So it works. Yeah. <laughs> but that's you know that's Star Trek Five. But anyway, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. No, he knows. But I, I will say though that scene you're talking about, Jared, also leads into one of my favorite little quotes where. He walks away, and of course, he was like, "The word, sir." And Kirk yeah. is, "Well, the word is no. I'm therefore going. I am anyway. therefore, I'm therefore going, going anyway." It's just classic. Yeah. It's classic Kirk. Like, yeah, and it's a good Kirk, callback to Rathacon too. In this case, oh yeah, is the word given? Exactly. Warp speed. Yeah, exactly. So it's great. Um, I love that moment. Yeah, it's delightful, and and I think the music makes a huge difference with this. Because the, yeah, uh, Horner the, the is, James Horner, yes. Horner is on point for this one. Yes, yeah. excellent yeah. score. Yeah, excellent. particularly particularly when they, when they're stealing the Enterprise. Uh huh. Stealing the Enterprise. Also, the mind meld between Sarek and Kirk has a very yes sort of affecting um you know musical piece with it. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was shot kind of wonky, I think, but that's if you ignore that part, it's actually really well acted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Musically. Yeah. yeah, he builds a lot on the themes he had started in the in the, uh, the Wrath of Khan. Totally right. Yeah, Totes. yeah, it's a nice score. It's definitely a nice score. It's really good at at uh, filling the scenes with a sense of momentum. 
He speeds that up at some points and he slows it down at some points. And it's very well executed. Mm-hmm. Especially since, as we know, this this movie needs some momentum sometimes. So yeah, <laughs> the score yes, helps. Mm, yes, indeed. <laughs> the score is like, dragging it along on a leash. Same <laughs> 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 image that's, just popped into my head. That was pretty good, Kelly. Uh, okay, let's talk a little bit about the story because Brian, I think you mentioned that the the plot's kind of thin. So could, yes. could it have been more robust, or was it kind of necessary for it to be a thinner story? Oh, it well, could have been more robust. It could have been more robust. I mean, they—they, they, they, I mean, obviously, the whole point of the movie is to to get Spock back on his feet. But like, but the thing—the thing that kills me is that there was a better earlier outline called Return yeah. to Genesis that this is very loosely derived from. Has right. been rewritten a lot, yeah. and that was it was far the Romulans, it was not the Klingons. Yeah, yeah, far more interesting. Like among other things, the fact that the Genesis device exists caused a fucking shit show on the as it should. Sun, on, on the Federation's like Senate floor, right? Like Senate floor, that's Star Wars. But on the, you know. <laughs> Federation Council. On the Federation Council floor. Um, and the Vulcans were thinking of seceding over it because they were not, they never sanctioned this. Like this oh, was wow. like, this was a whole thing that, you know, sort of Starfleet, like a lot of the human side of Starfleet pushed forward on, on the Genesis device. And so the Vulcans were like, excuse me, you know, we didn't approve this. And so they were even thinking about removing themselves as like members of the Federation. Oh, wow. And so there was, there was supposed to be this whole really interesting, like fallout from what went on that just gone. It's gone. You totally cut out. And like, like Brian just said, the other interesting thing is they were supposed to be Romulans, not Klingons as the bad guys. And the Romulans were all over the Genesis planet trying to do stuff with it, mining it, like figuring out what was going on with it, just Mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff. And, Speaking of the whole, you know, is Krug a very deep, like a very good antagonist? Like they were supposed to have a much more interesting Romulan commander mm. who I'm, who they say was supposed to be like, when you read sort of the, the write-ups of what this original, you know, like treatment was, was much more along the lines of the Romulan commander from Balance of Terror more thoughtful, oh, okay. more, mm. you know, and so geez, like I, I would love to see that, honestly, like that could yeah. be really interesting. And the only hint we get that Genesis is a problem is the, you know, the commander of Starfleet is like, oh, in your absence, this whole thing is blown up. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. It's and tell, it's a, don't and show. Can I just say that that line is super weird, too, because, like, in your absence, like, hasn't this been, like, two weeks since Khan, you know, like, blew this up? I mean, really, like. Yeah, not long. A couple of weeks. It hasn't been that long. Like, but they make it sound like. Jeez, you guys have been gone for months. You know, yeah, there's but, sort of a weird implication that. Well, in your it, absence, yeah, but it's something like that's going to blow up quick. Sure. Oh, of course it is. Absolutely. I'm just saying that there's this weird thing where they almost make it seem like there's more time has passed than than you know, I don't know. It well, just, it's because they're just telling you something that happened off screen rather than it's right, tell, right. It, they're it's, telling it's not showing. They're telling not they showing. Do that, exactly. They do that a lot in this movie. Actually, I think yeah. basically wherever they the plot so is concerned, they like well. It, they try to yeah. inject these um, other character moments for the more "quote unquote" minor characters of the story, like including um, David's role. You know that yeah. we find out that Genesis is gonna like sloppy. Ex- is gonna he... explode and whatever. Yeah. because he used this molecule, proto-matter. the proto matter in yeah. it. You know, yeah, he bullet. cheated it. And so there's like there's like a thirty second conversation between him and Savick, and she's like, yeah. "Any reasonable scientist would never have done that because the it's so unethical to use this 
this material. And he's like, well, that's the only, otherwise it would have been years or never before we got Genesis to work. So like I had to, and I regret it. It's all my fault. And so they tried, and then he brings it up again later when he's about to die. And he's like saying, oh, it was my fault. Like I, I'm, I'm what, I'm what went wrong, whatever with Genesis. And, Mm -hmm. but then that whole story, that's the whole, that's it. That's David's entire story arc. And that's the entire, like the thing that's supporting the yeah. the reason that they're there and the reason that things are happening is that those couple sentences yeah. and it's super and you know, thin. What, what's killer is the movie's only an hour forty five too. They, they oh, had wow. time. They had time to like build this in. They could have, you know. It's like, geez. Yeah, and they could have oh. built in uh, if they wanted to have more, um, more sort of political chaos at the front. Yeah, well, and it's like you know we get those scenes in Star Trek Four on the floor. Uh, yeah, at the beginning the of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. With, with like John the Klingon ambassador pointing at them. Yeah, John Shuck doing his his great John Shuck stuff there, uh-huh. and it's like you could picture that exact thing because again, like that's literally the same year, right? Like later that year or whatever. So it's like you can picture that kind of thing dropped into Star Trek Three with outrage over Genesis. And yeah, then and then we can see it instead of you know showing it, not telling it to us. You know, we could see that for a few minutes and it that would be so much better and help explain why this is a genesis is forbidden you know like yeah you know it's like the other thing that genesis introduces is something that the original series never had in its cold war allegory which was weapons Mm -hmm. of mass destruction right i mean the, the reason that the klingons and the federation never went to war was because the organians made their ship controls too hot to touch right right which Uh, stretches the cold war metaphor a little bit but here with genesis suddenly they have the equivalent of nuclear weapons and they it's there but it's kind of in the background i mean they actually talked about that idea more in wrath of khan when when um mccoy says what if this was delivered to a a planet where life already existed it it would Mm -hmm. destroy said life in favor of its new matrix right so so they actually talked about those implications more in the previous movie right Yes. And then crew kind of goes, yeah, this could be like a sweet weapon. And they go, okay. You know what I mean? They but just kind of go, sure. They never explain how he, what, right. why he thinks that. Right. Like, why does he think that? Yeah. Well, so, I mean, if you could terraform a planet with by launching a torpedo, that's a ridiculous weapon. Why, why wouldn't he think that? Well, why would you think True. it's a weapon, though? Because there's no re- reason he knows that it would destroy a planet. Like, if, that, if life already existed He saw the there. tape. He saw the tape. Okay, Remember? I guess. They don't reiterate that in this. So they feel, I guess they feel they need to show the entire scene of Spock dying twice, but they don't want to remind the audience of that. I don't know. I think that's no. It's they should. Could they Kirk. They watch Kirk giving the demonstration well, of the Genesis. They, yeah. they watch. They watch the Cliff Notes and, version and, of it. Actually. Yeah, and and they say great power to control and dominate. Yeah, impressive. They can make planets. Like they they figure out very quickly what Kirk is talking about in that tape. I guess they never say that that he can use it. That you could use it to to kill all life on a planet if there was already life there. And that yeah that seems to be yeah. Like, I don't know. Kirk's but, whole yeah. motivation. Well, his concern that, to me, that seems open. obvious. Yeah, if you're if you're launching something that could terraform an entire planet instantly, it's going to obviously destroy whatever life is on it. I mean, is it obvious? I don't know. It's kind of a magical thing. So, see the way the the concern that Krug expresses is that if uh, an M class planet is is an important resource, then the Federation mm-hmm. then has a huge advantage in colonization, right? Right. Um, so he doesn't really talk about yeah. weaponizing it more, just in terms of. Uh, you know, suddenly our adversary can create new land or whatever, right? Yeah, because he talks about the, you know, oh, the flag. So great Un- under the flag of the yeah, Federation. Yeah, the flag yeah. of the Federation. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I just think his character wasn't motivated at all. 
Yeah, his his character has some issues. The thing I yeah, they, would have loved to have seen would have been if they'd brought back John Colicos as core. Oh, hell yeah. Wouldn't that have been awesome? If they, yeah. if they could have brought someone classic back, that would have been great. Someone yeah. who Kirk has a relationship with and someone who you could understand why why th- there would be a rivalry between the two and why, you know, if, if, if Kor saw that video, he would get so jealous of Kirk, right? Anyway, and I just, I just love that actor. Anyway, so, but there's a giant plot hole. Brian, did you want to yes. talk about the giant plot hole? Or yes, Matt, there or Matt, is. Was that you? No, no, that's Brian. Yeah, that's me. But, but I'm agreeing with him. Yeah, there is a giant plot hole. <laughs> yeah, and this, and I, to be honest, I did not see this plot hole probably for the first 25 times I watched this movie. Oh, yeah, the they, they do such a good job sweeping you along that, like, you, you've had to point this out to me, and I'd have been like, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you I know? mean, all right, so I'll just get to it before I instead of talking around it. Yeah. There is no reason for the Kirk and the gang to steal the Enterprise and go to Genesis because as far as they know Spock is dead Spock's body is dead they do not right. know that the Grissom has found him they don't know anything about that so as far as Kirk knows Spock that the body burned up in Genesis atmosphere when they launched it when they launched a torpedo at, yep. at his funeral and he's been incinerated and all Sarek says to him is to bring them both to Vulcan and he says to him only his body was in death Kirk Mm, talking about his spirit, which is in McCoy's mind. Right. Everything that, that Sarek needed was within McCoy. So all Kirk had to do is basically book a shuttle and take it to Vulcan. Well, and at that yeah. point, Kirk doesn't know that the Grissom has found his body regenerated, right? That's what right? I'm just saying. Right. That's what yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the Grissom's pulling no out of the sky before it can report it. So right. That's true, that's true, Kirk yeah. Kirk has no idea. No, they have no idea. Yeah. Spock, remember when, when they get to Genesis and Kirk is like stunned when he finds out that Spock is alive? Spock oh. Yep. A Vulcan so, scientist was, of your acquaintance. Right. This yep. Vulcan, is he alive? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. So there's literally no reason to go to Genesis. And they also, you can also say that if there was a body to be retrieved or if they did find out that Spock's body was alive, Sark could simply request that Spock be brought home. Yeah. Because it's certainly his his right to do so. Yeah, and and he has clout. Yeah. Right. So there's like there was no reason for them to steal the Enterprise. Interesting. That's in the movie. That's in the script. It's just no reason. There's, there's nothing there. Nothing. Yeah. Well, actually, that's something that uh, like I noticed because it always confuses me. Because I was like, wait, are we going to Vulcan? Are we going to the, why are we going to Genesis planet? Yeah. Why are we going to Genesis? Yeah. And why does do they they seem to know? You know the piece they're they're led to it too easily, like I feel like, you know, yeah. just, oh, it's I mean, a, a certain actually... Vulcan of your acquaintance. Like, is he alive? Like, wait, why would you even ask that? Why would you think he was alive? Why? Well, she said, and someone else. She goes, "I'm here with other people, Dave, your son, and and someone else, a Vulcan scientist yeah, of your acquaintance." But I mean, so it just should be so. It should be so outlandish. This idea that yes, agreed that he's alive at all. Like, it's it's yep. almost like the audience already knows that, like how. You know, like they, they don't want to have to tell the audience again. Um, wow, it's amazing. The Genesis planet revived him. And so it, it's like you don't get to see everyone's reaction to that as they learn it. Mm-hmm. This is true. Yeah. Interesting. I, I guess that I guess the solution to that would have been if Savick had sent them a message or something. Right. That's all they had to do was she sent some kind of coded message to Admiral Kirk. Because yeah. She's because she's still like loyal to him or whatever from her experience. Sure. You know, with Khan or whatever. 
or or just show yeah just show you know word from the grissom that spock's tube right. has been located right. on the Genesis grissom just surface had to actually and... successfully transmit it yeah <laughs> yeah something like just, that you know? it's really but, just let I them mean, successfully you to, transmit yeah, you, you yeah. just need that you the, the kirk character just needs to know that there is something there to retrieve because otherwise he's risking life and limb to retrieve a dead body mm. Well, to retrieve nothing at first, because nothing because yeah, he doesn't even think there's nothing. a body. Yeah, because right. they didn't even yeah, but... know that the that the, I think this has never been clear to me. But what I think they were trying to do when they launched it was just like launch it into space. Because then David says like, oh, like the fluctuating gravity field, gravitational fields were in flux, right? Yeah, yeah. and yeah. so it 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 like grabbed the the which doesn't make sense, but fine, you know, grabbed the capsule and brought it in. So they they didn't even think the capsule. I don't. Right. I don't think they even thought it was in orbit. Like I think they thought they shot it sort of yeah, nearish to it. the planet, but like out into that into that solar system. I mm. think so oh. because as we know, that's kind of seems to be what they do, right? Is they just sort of launch you into the depths of space, you know, like like a burial at sea. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so, so I don't, yeah. So they I don't didn't. They shouldn't have even known that his body. Like there, there's no reason for them to have assumed that the capsule was on the planet. So there's literally. Yeah, well, no that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. I said earlier. Yeah, yeah. They could easily just burned up in the atmosphere. Yeah, or not even been anywhere near or the not, planet, or just drifting somewhere, right? Like it's just somewhere now. But either way, that means either Sarah way could have right. that, that either way, you're right though. That means Sarah could have been like, "Well, then I request his body to be returned." It's sitting in a capsule, you know. It's sitting in a torpedo capsule somewhere near Genesis, floating around. Go find yeah. it. Yeah, and know Chris what I mean? and and Grissom could have said, "Okay, we're right here. We'll do it." Right. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, the whole the whole idea, as far as I, and this is not in the script. I think this is in the novel. The whole idea is to get him to Vulcan. Spock's consciousness to Vulcan, and they were going to put him in this place like called the Hall of Ancient Thought. Ah, so it's and like that it's way like his with, consciousness uh, will live on forever. He he will no longer have a physical body, and you're gonna basically yeah. if you want to visit him, you got to go see him in this place and like yeah, it's have like some sort of like mind link. Isn't, yeah, isn't that where they go in the in 2009? Isn't that yeah? Where... They call it the Kotrick Arc. Yeah, it's right, the same idea. right, something like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that 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 was the idea. That's why that's why Sarek wanted. Yeah. Which yeah. makes, you know, yeah. sense based on Vulcan mysticism that right. we know sure. now. So anyway, yeah, so that, that you know, I feel like that's, I don't know if that fell apart in a rewrite somewhere and they didn't, you know. But boy, did know. they miss something. Yeah, that's boy. huge. Yeah. As we yeah. know, this, the fix is really easy. They just needed to let, like, the Grissom successfully send a message and then Kirk to intercept it or something. Yeah. And then they'd be like, oh, okay, now we know what we're doing. You know, it's like, all right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ah, anyway. yikes. Are there any are there yeah. any other story problems before we start talking about the themes? I mean, probably. Nah, I mean, the rest we we've, we've talked about though that it's a little loosey goosey and whatever, but that's the one that's like, wow, huh? Yeah. Okay, but in terms of the themes, I think that's something people really latch on to with this. Yes, that they really there are enjoy. good themes in this for sure. Yeah. yeah, and and the the way they flip it with the uh, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few to the needs of the the one outweigh the needs of the many. I think everyone likes that. It's very Star Trekky. This whole thing of our friendship is more important than anything else. So we're gonna do what we need to to save Spock. I, I think I think everyone really enjoys that, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly that closing scene there after he's been um, resurrected, so yeah. to speak. And ever and and just it's just the music, right? There's no dialogue, and everybody's really happy. They're all reacting to him differently. That's 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 quality stuff right there. It is. Yeah, and I, lo- I love how the final conversation between the two of them is just so quiet. Yeah. Yep. Oh, and it just sort of stops and turns. Yeah. Th- that's yep. actually something I do really appreciate is how many scenes there are without music, where where they let it, it kind of um, the the movie kind of stand on its own. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I appreciate the, the judiciousness there. Okay, and then we do interject because we talked about this a lot with um, uh, Discovery Season 2, but the religious themes here actually work because we're continuing the idea of, of death and resurrection Genesis. and yeah. rebirth. And it's on a planet called Genesis, which is the, the mm -hmm. first book in the Bible. And we, they're kind of doing a thing with the the Genesis where it's like the Garden of Eden, but also kind of not, still not as well as explored as maybe they did it with um, in Wrath of Khan. Uh, what's his name? David quotes the Bible and he says they were fruitful and multiplied. And then there's yes, there something <laughs> yeah. I thought the microbes. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of cute because, well, and he's kind of and one of the things I do like about David's arc in these two movies is he's he's playing God. Right. And here, like he's quoting yeah. God, talking about his creation, a little mm. cocky. Right. And then the reason that he has to die is because, you know, you're not supposed to play God. You're not supposed to fly too close to the sun. Yeah. And by yep. by cheating to play God, he needed to pay for it with his life. The same way yes, to get absolutely. Spock back, Kirk had to pay for it with his ship, right? Mm. Right. Um, okay, and then there's one religious theme here. I'd never noticed it before. When Kirk is, he's got his uh, the crew over at his at his uh, apartment in the in the opening act. There, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he uses he refers to him to the Enterprise crew as those who only stand and wait which is mm. a line from John Keats, uh, who also wrote Paradise Lost. So oh, yeah. no, that's mm -hmm. John Milton. Oh, John Milton. Sorry, that's what I meant. I meant to say John Milton. Anyway, anyway, it was still good. I still liked it. Okay, and then let's talk about the breaking orders because they have to break the orders to uh, to get the ship. Yep. How, how well does that work? I think this one is certainly a natural fit for this like group of people who aren't going to put up with shit, you know, yeah. and Kirk has never been one to put up with the uh, bureaucracy when it's in his way. So, mm -hmm. you know, here it's kind of that classic, like, all right, you know, ambassador slash Commodore slash, and then in this case, like top admiral of Starfleet, like, yeah. you're not going to like, <laughs> you're not going to tell me no, you know? I also like how they do it like so quickly. There's not like a big scene about like, I can't ask you to do this, and oh, we're gonna do it anyway, sir. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. He's just like, like, like we already said a line. Like the answer yeah. is yeah. the answer, or the yeah. word is no, and therefore I'm doing it anyway. And, and then Sulu's like, okay, we're there to help, and he's like, good, I'm gonna need it. That's it. Yep. That's the whole scene. That was great. Yeah. And then you move on, yeah. and you're and you're and the 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 pacing speeds up right at that moment, and the music speeds up right at that moment, and yep. you're like along for this happy ride. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's where the movie really comes alive. You know, that's what really starts moving yeah although i would enjoyable. i would argue that then starts dragging again later <laughs> but this yeah there's, this there's, there's scene, a little bit there or this not, yeah. this this whole segment of them stealing that prize i think yeah. is great it's maybe one of the strongest parts i gotta say especially as a kid for some reason i really love the mr adventure so it's still like chuckle worthy now yeah but i, I really always i always yeah. loved michelle nichols just sitting there pointing a phaser at dorky dorky lieutenant yeah He's like what are you doing in the ass into space basically you know yeah and, you know well, and some, adventure. something I like is all of the supporting characters have a chance to show that they're the the uh, the master of their domain, for lack of a better term. Because uh -huh. Sulu is able to judo through that, throw a guy three times bigger than him without breaking a sweat. Uh, Uhura and has look, still remaining dapper in his cape. Yeah, his his yeah. his outfit looks his, his outfit looks so leather. good and looks so Sula much better. Looked badass in this movie. Yeah, he did. Sula did look badass. And and they bring that outfit back for uh, Voyage Home because he looked so good in it. And then of course Uhura is in charge of the Mister Adventure scene, which might be her best mm -hmm. scene in the whole franchise. 
and then Scotty is able to effortlessly sabotage the Excelsior uh, and take the yeah. wind out of uh, the up your shaft. Uh, Captain Styles's uh, <laughs> sails just without any effort at all. And so it's great that these supporting characters get a chance to show that they're at the top of their game too. And, and let's just say a shout out to Captain Styles for being like the cocky, you know, egotistical jerk. That, yeah, yeah, that yeah. He, he's he's supposed to be right. This is the role yeah. that like. He He's had to be. to be. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Everything about machine. the Excelsior is supposed to be unpleasant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it is. It's it's very awkward, a lot of it. But, like, in a good yeah. way. Like, it's, like, very awkward. Yeah. I will say, though, that one of the things that shows it's the, the terrible budget is, I've heard it called this, and it cracked me up, and it's totally true, is, like, the Atari 2600 level like graphics on the bridge are really dating, really dating. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. The, like, the, like, bar The Charles Ross sure. factors. Yeah. Yep. Well, and everything about it is just like, oh, we took like a, a computer and we just hooked up to it and we just gave it some output. Whereas like, see, if you look like at the, you know, the TMP bridge and even in Wrath of Khan, like their stuff was like actual art that was projected and rotated and stuff. And so it looked like, you know, decent. This, you can tell, was just a computer output. You know yeah, the I mean? trans- just, that transwarp monitor, you mean. Is, yeah, it's, well, yeah. I mean, everything about it. And huh. then it's like, oh, good morning, Captain, or whatever. And that's like, output from you know whatever yeah they ran a script or something, that you did, know? like it's print like, good morning captain yeah, yeah i mean it was it was it was it's really cheeseball and the displays unfortunately are actually like that all over like the grissom's displays are like that like as well you can just see it's i mean it looks like when i had my Atari, that looks just like well, like and even the, like when when um, Scotty's plan goes into action and things start shutting you down it's just like yeah, broken sorry. down car basically mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it, it kind of worked though it's because too cheesy. Because it's supposed yeah, to be like yeah, yeah it's supposed yeah, to be goofy because like because be styles kind of looks like what the hell was that yeah <laughs> yeah and it's yeah, yeah. it is a comic moment because that's when you're like laughing because like look what scotty has done and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's fair but anyway now in, that in, part's fine I, maybe everybody knows this but uh sulu was supposed to be made captain of excelsior in this movie Right, and I yes. think in the novelization, that was an idea. they they drop in it in the but... second movie. Oh, oh, it was already in Wrath of Khan before that. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. When they're but... approaching, when they're approaching the Enterprise that's at the beginning right. of the movie, yeah, there was more. There was more dialogue in that scene that they cut out. There, when they uh, he says, "I'm glad to have you at the helm for three weeks." There was more to that scene where they they talk about how Sulu was going to be taking captaincy of the Excelsior soon. Blah 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 blah. But they cut it out. Well, and that's why they give Sulu like a line here where he's sort of staring at it, like gawking at it. When sure. They space talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But but they couldn't have made Sulu the captain of the Excelsior and still made this all no. work. No, no, no. That's right. Yeah, that wouldn't so, have made any no. sense. That had to wait until yeah. Star Trek Six, which is yeah, cool. which is then fine. he got to be which is helpful. Fine. Yeah, a hero. Yeah. I I also do feel like to talk about the the shadow this cast over the Berman era. I feel like this sort of set a precedent for Starfleet officers always breaking orders and always being able to get away with it. Like, oh, yeah. it, it happens on, on Deep Space Nine and on Voyager a lot where it's like, oh, we, we have to go against orders to make this happen to the point where, and they did it a little bit on Discovery too. And so the point where it's like, how do they run an organization like this? How do they have a <laughs> chain of command? No one follows orders. Exactly. Yeah. If everyone wants to go rogue all the time. <laughs> In fact, and I True. think I think there was a draft of All Good Things where instead of having Admiral Riker in charge of the Enterprise D, they were going to have to steal that as well, but they cut it for time. And uh, I'm glad they did that because that would have been way too derivative. Yeah. 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 
totally. Okay, and then I this also in in talking about influence on the Burman, Burman era, this introduced the the new fancy space station, right? That right. we saw the quite old space dock. the space dock. Thank you. That we saw quite a bit on TNG. And the thing yeah. is that this the design as a space dock makes absolutely no sense, right? No. Yeah, I no, mean, no sense. like the the Deep Space Nine, where you go and you dock on a pylon, that makes a lot more sense than let's have a big door that we have to open and you have to yeah. come in, right? Yeah. The only like what reason is the it, door like there's no like elements that they have to protect. Yeah, exactly. The ship and, from because it's still and, in space mm, inside. Yeah. And and if something goes wrong, and I think this happened in the Binar episode of the first season of TNG, if something's gonna blow up inside of that space, there's nowhere for that explosion to go. Yeah. Right, so it's right. going to just it's going to take half the space dock with it. The yeah, only that's reason they freak out and send, yep. it, send it on like autopilot as fast exactly. as they can away from the space dock. Yeah, yeah. So the the binars were smart enough to realize how dumb this was. How come the architect didn't? Yeah, um, they need to the invent only... like a a space fume hood <laughs> <laughs> to redirect any blasts. Yeah, yeah. That that would be valuable to have a fume hood as well as an eyewash station. <laughs> exactly, yeah, and an emergency so, shower. The, Starfleet the, OSHA, right there. The <laughs> only, the only reason it makes sense to have a space dock designed like this is if you want to have a scene where they need to break out of the space dock. Yep. And conveniently, they do need a scene like that. Ex- so. Yeah, <laughs> isn't that interesting? And the sequence works beautifully. Yeah, it does. That's an awesome, fun it sequence does. where Scotty's trying to basically hack the doors and uh-huh. almost, you know, and that's great. But. And 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 there is a nice callback in undiscovered covery in undiscovered country when he makes Valeris basically uh, jam jam out of the space dock space at impulse at half doors are opening yeah, yeah. as impulse yeah. rather than rather than thrusters to kind of kind of peel out and be kind of a little rebellious there so that that was a nice callback I was I'm always wishing for like a galaxy quest moment when they're pulling out. Of the doors, uh-huh. I want the like the nacelles oh, to yeah. scrape yeah, along the sides of, oh, yeah. of the door. They come very close to scraping. They should have done it. It would have been funny. Well, you know, if that they must have been specifically thinking about this scene when they came up with that joke in uh, for Galaxy Quest. Yeah, it might have been actually because it's you know, or, I mean, there's a lot of examples of different types of space docks too, and ships pulling out of them, and because they have the other design that's like the like the claw thing. And the ship kind of sits inside of that, like for repairs. Oh yeah, that's so that's mm-hmm. dry. Oh dock. yeah, yeah, dry dock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. So yeah. they have other things too, where you'd be like pulling out of a structure. But I mean, this was yep. obviously yep. more enclosed. But so. yeah, well, and, you know, I actually have to say, like, there is one nice thing. One smart design is that this their version of space dock in the J.J. Abrams movies mm-hmm. is a series of like modules that you dock at it's not yep. something that you go into that you it's park like, into. right yeah that yeah yeah that it was like right yeah that's way it makes way more sense mm-hmm. like, that's yep. what it should yep. be totally so they were smart about that at least all of which still makes more sense than parking the enterprise randomly in iowa <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah. indeed Anyway. Yes, indeed. Anyway. hey before okay. before we leave just this um part of the film can i just yes. say two things Mm-hmm. One is just, I just wanted to reiterate what you guys already said, that Uhura's scene is awesome, and she's completely badass in that scene. Yeah. And she's, like, it. beautiful and on point. Yeah, she looks and so like, good. Yeah, she looks amazing, and she just yeah. carries herself so well, and, like, it works so... I like think when you said this may be her best scene in the franchise, like, I think I might agree. I loved watching it. 
Uh-huh. Um, and then my second comment, which is also equally as important, is um, Chekhov's outfit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or Walter. It's like some kind of like pilgrim thing, but it's bright pink and it's the it's most weird ass thing yeah. I've ever. Nobody was happy about that. I've never Nobody seen a weirder Star Trek outfit and that is yeah. a high bar. Yeah. yeah. Holy cow. He really does look like no. a pilgrim with that yeah. collar. With the collar. That's awful. Yeah, well, they got, they, if you notice, they get rid of the collar quickly. Yeah, he loses the collar like, in the yeah. next scene. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. he yeah. still has that weird pink vest thing, and it just does not yeah. work. No, Walter did not have a, Walter did not have a lot to do in this movie either. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. it's too bad. Well, he was pissed about that. Uh, you know what? He got you know. good roles in two and four, so he can. <laughs> he could chill can, out. He, he could and, chill, and, and he he changed clothes for four. I mean, ev- yeah. ver- ev- everyone else is wearing the yeah, same. Yeah, he had, clothes some, he had a leather outfit, I believe. In he four. did, which looks more like Sulu's. Yeah, yeah. This everyone is... else kept the same clothes, but thankfully, yeah, yeah thankfully, they, they, they tweaked his. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I just had to return to that because it was no, no. You're right. It was no, very it's, it's, it's important. It's, it's, to, it's, yeah, quite the think, eye, it's quite the eyesore. Yeah, yeah thank yeah. you for mentioning that. Also, I think it's it would bad. make a fun part of a group cosplay. I know you mentioned that. I love that idea. Yeah, I know we talk we about could, doing or, cosplays all the time, but or we could all just come dressed as Chekhov. Oh my god, that'd oh, be amazing! All of us, four little Chekhovs. <laughs> yeah. Oh my. Yeah. <laughs> he looks so stupid. It would look yeah, unbelievably bad, but that, it would be awesome. <laughs> It'd be hard to find the outfit. We'd have to have it like custom made, probably. Uh, yeah. Oh, there we. Oh, there's. Oh my gosh. I just googled it just so I could look at it again because it's so fantastically awful. And I googled Chekhov Star Trek Three, and mo- a bunch of the pictures are like there's some pictures of Anton Yelchin, and then there's some other pictures unrelated to Chekhov, and then. There is a picture, and it's a it's two pictures like split down the middle, and one is a picture of Chekhov from Star Trek: The Searcher's Spock, and one is literal pilgrim, and the and it says on the image in Star Trek Three, why is Chekhov dressed like a pilgrim? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good heavens! Uh, uh, spectacular. <laughs> Kayla, I appreciate your your um, keen eye. It's <laughs> so bad. I mean, how could you miss yeah. it? It's bright pink. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. It's so weird. It's so weird. Poor Walter. <laughs> yeah. Really, they really did screw him. <laughs> Everyone else trope. looks so cool. Like Sulu yeah. has like this like kimono type thing. Like a uh-huh. yeah, Sulu's got the best. Or outfit. like a gi inspired like Japanese style thing, yeah. and sure. then like a yeah. leather cape. Come on, uh-huh. and, and uh, yeah, Kirk has badass. like that awesome leather jacket with the big ass pop collar, which looks great uh-huh. on Kirk. Mm-hmm. And then even yeah. McCoy's thing is cool and futuristic. McCoy's, yeah, he's rocking a, a sweet ascot. You know that works really well for him. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and then there's yeah. and then there's poor Chekhov. Yeah. yeah. I guess Chekhov doesn't get out that often, so he just, you know, whatever's lying around. Maybe they should have given him some kind of ridiculous Russian stereotype outfit and he could have had one of those big burly hats. (laughs) Oh, boy. Can you imagine that? Oh, God. Well, at least that's that's one thing where, you know, I talked about how this influenced the way Vulcan's dressed. At least that did influence the way Chekhov appeared in the rest of the franchise. (laughs) Right. Thank goodness. Okay, so moving on from the Excelsior scene. Oh, we also do need to mention quickly, this is where they introduced the term NX for experimental yep. ships. Yes. Which, yep. Because it's the NX-2000, which, and then, of yep. course, uh, Matt, that would become very important later on in... Uh, 
Enterprise. There we go. Yeah. The NX. Yeah. But of course, they sort of redefine it there. It's kind of weird, but yeah. But yeah, anyway. it's supposed to be naval experimental. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, I, I I didn't realize that before, so that's that, that was uh, cool to see that bit of continuity. Okay, and mm-hmm. so despite all the great character moments that we have with our our heroes, there are a lot of guest characters we can talk about. Well, can, can we? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Skipping over the the Enterprise completely. Oh, I beg your pardon. Okay, just that's oh, you're huge... right. So that how is could kind we, of big. how could we do that? Yeah, <laughs> sorry, we talked about it a little bit before, but. Uh, Brian, why don't you uh, um, take the baton on that one? I will say that that was a big deal in 1984. Yeah. Um, not maybe as big as Spock dying, but it was a big deal. Well, and um, it's what's annoying, actually, is it's become less of a big deal because now they feel like they need to, to nearly destroy or destroy the Enterprise in almost every movie. Yeah. Oh, in the Abrams I mean? movie. Yeah, talk yeah. about setting yeah. setting trends for the yeah. other install. How many times because, has the Enterprise been in, destroyed since? Well, let's see. So so Generations, uh-huh. right? It was nearly destroyed. The Enterprise E was nearly destroyed in Nemesis yeah, and had yeah. to be significantly rebuilt. So then it's nearly destroyed and needs to be significantly rebuilt uh, into Darkness. It needs to be, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, it's completely it, destroyed it is destroyed and beyond. And beyond, it's destroyed, yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's just like, all right, well. But, but I hear, though. But here it's a big deal. Yeah, of course. It's, it's for, a huge well, deal. And compared to those other instances, there's a dramatically motivated reason to do it here. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. The other times, not so much. Right. And the, um, and the shot of it careening through the atmosphere is awesome. Oh, it's yeah. great. Yeah. It's it 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 hurts, you know, because yeah, the Enterprise, was, yeah. as we said, the Enterprise is of course its own character, so it yes. really is. Yeah, just, it was a, just, it was the death of another character. Yeah, that's right. one it's, thing that I, I think Leonard understood. I don't know if the entire cast always appreciated, but Leonard understood that the Enterprise is a member of the cast. Right, for sure. So that was hard to watch in 1984. That that was you know that's like the clubhouse. That's your you clubhouse. Know, it's, that's yeah. where you, you know, go every even, week to, with, with your friends. It's even still see, hard to watch you know. now. Yeah, I don't they, like they, watching the Enterprise be destroyed. Yeah. They sell it. I mean, they do such a good job with it. That whole, that whole moment, you know, where, again, Shatner's at his peak, right? You know, my God, what have I done? Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and McCoy just going, what you had to do, what you always do. Yeah. Know, turn. Yeah. So it's just, it's just. Turn death it, into a fighting again, chance just, to live. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's Beautiful on point. Line. That Beautiful moment scene. is just great. Yeah. 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 It's a spectacular sequence, but yeah, it's hard to watch it kind of just start breaking up. And then that final explosion that kind yeah, of destroys I mean, the primary hull. I know. Yeah, I mean, right. You just watch like the whole bridge dome just boom, gone. You're like, whoa, yeah. that's no joke, you know? And yeah, the whole saucer section just crippled, you know? Yeah. Crazy. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, that was the original Starship Enterprise. It was That was, yeah. yeah. A, it was a bit, that's that's big deal. And can I just it, say, it also, physical model that was actually being destroyed. Yeah. You know I mean? like, yes. Yeah. It's, the explosion looks like, so really, good. Really nice. Yeah. yeah. Like, re- really... ILM, you know, did a really good job with it. Yeah, that. they really they did. They really did. Like, you feel it. You can see it. It's, yep. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I like the fact that it was not a stunt. It, it had a reason to be. Yes, I yeah. agree. But, like we talked about, it, the way it was done was a little shitty only because, well, you know, the Klingons don't seem to know what's going on, and it's not really clear why they needed to do it leading up to it, but it makes sense, like, once they do it. You know what I mean? Like, there's this whole thing where did they really need to blow up the Enterprise because of six Klingons? There's only twelve total, right? Yeah. So it but does make was, you wonder. 
But the ship was crippled anyway. Yeah, so. The Enterprise was not in good shape before it even left space dock. So Yeah, yeah, true. So, I mean, I see it. It's just, yeah. I just wish that, honestly, it's the scene leading up to it where they're like counting down and the Klingons have no idea. That part is just stupid. Yeah. yeah, yeah it, um, but yeah, it would it would have felt more necessary if like 75 Klingons had beamed over. That that's what yeah that, I think that's what I'm trying to hit on is it seems a little silly to do it just for six. What but, was the crew oh compliment well. of that ship ever established in the past? Or did they yes. a dozen okay. officers and yes. men? Yes, Sulu, Sulu says it. Yeah, about a dozen. No, I mean before this movie. No, no. Okay, so they could well, have made it movie, a different well, number. There was never bird. There was the never bird of prey, prey. Was made yeah. for this movie. Yep. Yeah. And 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 that is the I think that's the most enduring single uh, ship design. Yeah. Right to talk sure. to, again to talk it's about its influence. No question. Yeah. yeah no right. Question. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, this goes back to it being originally Romulans. That's why it was a bird of prey. Oh, sure. Romulans. Yeah. And cause... then they never went, huh? We better kind of maybe do something about that. Like, they just went, meh. It's Klingons now. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a cool. It was a cool design. Why would you? It want is a cool design. Yeah. Yeah. It is yeah a it's cool an awesome ship. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. God, the bird of prey in some variant has stuck around for forever. For everything. Right? Like it's. Yeah. It doesn't even, even look in, that, uh, like it, it's it's so recognizable. It's mm-hmm. not like it's changed yep. that much. Oh, it hasn't, yeah, not barely Bas- at all. Basically, they just scaled it up and down, <laughs> depending on how big they needed to look throughout so, the rest yeah, of Yeah, I wonder the why they said, franchise. oh, we're going to put 12 people on this ship. Like, well, they could have chosen a different number. Like, is it because they didn't want to hire a bunch of Klingons to... I don't, well, know. I don't think, or they just uh, wanted no, the I odds to be more even. With yeah, and I think it's just it's a scout vessel. It's kind of small. It's Chekhov even calls it a, a scout, scout class, class vessel. Yeah. It's very yeah. small. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So okay, there's probably not going to be a lot of people on it. If, if he's the captain of a tiny ship, then maybe he's more eager to try to take risks to get a, a, a promotion to a bigger ship. So maybe that's part of Krug's motivation. Right. Maybe. Sure. Right, because you remember, in, like you himself. know, in, in the Klingon Empire at that time, the, the Katinga class was like the the, the capital, the big capital ship. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah, right. the ones sure, from Motion yeah. Picture, right, right? The big ships. So they probably had, you know, several hundred people on board them. Yeah. Also, you have to figure a culture full of alpha males. You got to come up with ways that a lot of them can feel like the boss when they aren't really the boss of much. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to give them a little a little bird of prey and be like, yeah, yeah. A little pond. Exactly. You get a little pond to play in. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> That's yeah, funny. There's, probably true. Yeah. The, in uh, in um, a matter of honor, when Riker is on the Klingon ship, um, the data says that uh, the the Kapla or whatever it's called is on undesignated maneuvers. And I was imagined like undesignated maneuvers. You mean it's just like flying around, like not doing anything? And you have figured there are a lot of Klingons. They they want to feel like the big man, and so that's what they do. They just give them a little ship with a few guys to boss to boss around, and then they go on undesignated maneuvers. <laughs> undesignated. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Okay, but if I if I can, while we're talking about the Klingons, if I can kind of bring bring that drill into that a little bit more. I, I sure. this was where the Klingons changed from what we'd seen in the original series to what they'd become in the Berman era, right? Because the TOS Klingons are actually kind of rational. The the only way that yeah, they they're, are. they're like and the whole thing it's great is is to, they wanted to have uh, this metaphor for the Soviets and they use aliens to make our enemies seem more human, right? And mm-hmm. and like in Day of the Dove when when um. Kang's wife says, we hear the horrible things that you do to prisoners, and they're like, we don't do horrible things to prisoners, you do horrible things to prisoners. It's like, they, they try to show that they're they're normal people. Um, 
But the ones in the Berman era are like these crazy maniacs who are trans- constantly trying to commit suicide in like this weird, <laughs> like Bronze Age honor system, right? Yeah. yeah. And right. I remember oh watching God. these and thinking, there's no way that this society could ever possibly ever. develop space travel. Yeah, no way. There's even that one episode with Beverly and the Metaphasic Shield. Uh, where she says scientists are not well thought of in the Klingon Empire. And it's like, then how do they do science? Right? Yeah, do, unless, do, like, it, the idea that they used to be a different way and their society changed, flipped back maybe, to something more primal. Sure. But you still need somebody to, to be in charge to, to fix things, right? Yeah. And, yep. and, and so I think that style of the more aggressive warrior, like, insanely warrior-focused Klingon comes from these villains here, right? Uh, that they're... That the Klingons that we'd see in Next Generation were aping Kruge. Because, obvi- you know, yeah. the guys we see, like, in uh, in Heart of Glory, um, what's his name? Uh, Chorus and Conmel, I think. They're absolutely cut from the same cloth as Kruge yeah. here, right? Oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Right? They're not, they're not like Koloth. They're not... Uh, yeah. Joking yeah. with Kirk on Deep Space Station K Seven. They're they're right. ruthless killers. Anyway, Brian, you had something to say. Yeah, no, I also wanted to say that the makeup here is also the template for the TNG yes. Klingon, yep. mm-hmm. which is yeah. different than the makeup in the motion picture. Yeah, yes, yes. The yeah. stuff, the makeup in the motion picture is much more sophisticated, and they actually look a lot more alien. Yes, they do. They do. Like, they have they like do. they have like more ridge spines on them, and like they're much more alien. Yeah. They, it, for the matter, for budget reasons and you know, time. That's why you see more Christopher Lloyd's face. Sure, you know what I mean. Like that, they dumbed it down a little bit, and that's the way it stayed. Mm-hmm. And so, in terms of the the makeup, the the introduction of the ship, and then in terms of like the character of the their culture, Search for Spock like made the Klingons for for good or for ill, right? And so then the thing. That I have wondered, long wondered, is if they'd left them as Romulans, how would that have changed the uh, uh, the direction of the franchise? Hmm. Right, and I, I think yeah. uh, Worf would That's have been. Question. I think Worf would have been a Romulan if they'd done that. Maybe, maybe. I don't know though. They kind of foreshadowed in what was it, Errand of Mercy, that when the yes. Organians tell them sure. that sometime in the future you will be fast friends, fast you will friends, work yeah. together. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that that's kind of worth being on the Enterprise is kind of paying that off a little bit. Oh, okay. Bit, you know? All right. All right. Maybe not. But it definitely would have been interesting to do it a little differently in that way. Yeah. No, it would have been interesting to see the Romulans in Star Trek Three because they're more deceitful. Yep. More treacherous. You know, they're... Yeah, and in a lot of ways, a lot more dangerous because yep. of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and they're like, if yeah. Vulcans are so amazing, what if the Vulcans were evil, right? So that's why I've always found yeah. them a much more satisfying villain than, yeah. than the TNG yeah. era Klingons. Yeah, me too. Okay, do we do we want to talk about any of these other guest characters? We got a lot of them. Which which of these jump out at the three of you? I know we've we've already been recording quite a bit. Well, we touched on Styles, so we don't need to talk about him too yeah. much. Yeah, it was great seeing Mark Leonard return as Sark. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, that helps the movie yeah. so much. Yeah, immeasurably. <laughs> he has such... I, 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 every time I see Mark Leonard perform, I'm just I'm amazed at the gravity of his performances. Yep. Like, he yep. just... Like, in some ways, he's much more of what I would consider a stereotypical Vulcan than Spock is. Like sure. he's Oh, just, yeah, yeah, for sure. Sarek is just... Has this regal bearing. Yep. He's very reserved. He's a bit snotty. Yeah. I'm amazed that Mark Leonard did not have a bigger career than he had, especially on like the Shakespearean stage. Sure. He's got Shakespearean actor written all over him. 
the mm-hmm. the thing I would have loved to seen him play is, and it's not just the pointed ears. I would have loved to have him be Elrond in the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit movies. Ooh, he would have. Yeah, he would have hmm. been good at that. Because he's so he he's got that lordly that lordly bearing, right? That you just yeah. you can't fake. He totally does. Yeah, yeah, and like he did do some Shakespeare back in the day, but but obviously he was more known as like this character actor, and obviously he was typecast to some degree. Sure, so. sure. But great actor, very welcome to have him back. And, and and I think the bringing Sarek back so much is it mostly due to him as the actor, right? They brought him back yeah. for the animated series, for TNG, for mm. three of the movies. And then, of course, in the Kelvinverse, and then again for Discovery, right? So he's obviously a character that people are fond of. Yep. Yeah, Sarek was always a fan favorite. Yeah. Okay, now while we're talking about Vulcans, uh, what is there to say about the new Savick? Do, do people have strong opinions about this? Yeah, she's no Kirstie Alley. <laughs> no, yeah, kind of poor a, Robin yeah. Curtis. It's kind of a bummer. Yeah, it's not really Robin Curtis's fault, really. It just no, it's she's, just what it is. Yeah, no, she was in there. She was in there pitching, man. She was trying. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and I think I think I saw either an audio commentary or something where she said that you know she both basically relied on Leonard Nimoy. Oh, okay, to sure. Get, to get her through that stuff and yeah and, and i don't think he gave her good notes it's no and like yeah and like savick was very much a creation of kirstie alley and nicholas meyer so like yeah. she's was, a very different version here. yeah, yeah. It, they're very very different basically a different like, character but, yeah yeah they're basically yeah, it's a different character really yeah it's just very stilted performance i mean she yeah i mean that's the thing it's like but we've talked about this too, about how it's hard to be a Vulcan, like correctly to yes. actually yeah. really yeah. do a good yeah. job. Yeah. And that's, that's what I think is a bummer is I think she sort of picked up the, well, you're kind of, you know, still did and you're kind of, you know, off putting maybe because you're logical and you're not this. And that's what she sort of took from it. And it's too bad because as we know, that's not really the best way to be a Vulcan. That's just sort right. of the stereotypical right. like yeah. way, but it's not. Right. And really I feel like good. Leonard, when he gave her direction, forgot to mention he must have yeah that she's also romulan she's supposed to be half romulan yeah yeah well that's kirstie alley plays the romulan aspects of the character that's one of the things that makes savik interesting yeah Yeah, like the first thing out of her mouth very clear edge to her yeah like the first thing out of her mouth non-canonical technically yeah the the romulan thing because it's it's, it's in a deleted scene it's in a deleted scene yeah yeah okay and then talar do we want to mention the vulcan high priestess yeah that was she does a great job yeah, Dame Judith Dame Anderson. Anderson. Yeah, yeah, Have tremendous power, and like, that's a callback, I think, to when Celia Lovsky played the power. Think, it has to be. I think so. Has yeah. to be. And and you yeah. mentioned, uh, I didn't realize this, Brian, but you mentioned, I think that that she died, or else I think they would have brought her back. They might have. They might have. She had a she had a great presence to her, so it's possible they might have brought her back. Mm-hmm. But Judith Anderson had been in a lot of stage productions. She had been. She'd done films. I mean, as you can see, she's perfect. That she voice, is. yeah. When she opens yeah. her mouth and like starts speaking in that Vulcan and all, that's yeah. Like, it's like yeah, she owns the room as soon as she opens her mouth. It's mm-hmm. like she was perfectly cast. See, and again, someone who's got a theatrical background, so isn't afraid to be like on this crazy stage, right? Like and yeah, project this air of regalness. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the great Star Trek actors are great stage actors. Sure, mm-hmm. they. Because Star Trek is a very operatic piece. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. And it's something you can't do tongue-in-cheek or ironically, 
right? I mean, you watch no, that. Not usually. And yeah. there's no doubt that she, in my mind watching that that she's a high priestess on an alien planet. Like, she's not an right. actress playing a role. Right. right. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Very convincing. Yeah. Okay, uh, Kayla, we haven't heard much from you lately. Who of the guest characters stands out with you who we haven't talked touched on? Um, I don't know. I feel like we touched on most of them. Well, I think we should talk about Mr. Rule Follower for a second. Captain Esteban? Captain J.T. Esteban. Yes. Oh, what a schmuck. Yeah. He's, he's, I think, <laughs> he's I think he's, I think he starts this terrible run of like other captains are schmucks. You know, that kind of uh-huh. happens in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. John, John Harriman type of thing. Yeah. That's everything right. by the book. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you can see why he's stationed to a science vessel. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. This guy doesn't belong on the front lines of anything. No. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he sucks. <laughs> he, he straight up sucks. So, he doesn't know what he's doing. He, Clearly, he doesn't. Yeah. yeah. And like, even her, his crew kind of goes. Yeah, they all kind of like side eye at him and shit. Yeah, like, like really? when, when she calls for standard orbit and the helm's woman, she's like, standard orbit, aye, sir. Yeah. <laughs> like, she does it with kind of a, a hint of sarcasm. <laughs> it's like, ah, uh, like, I, I, he was anticipating, she was anticipating this order because he's. He does it exactly the same way probably every uh-huh. single time. It's like, you know? what else are we going to do? Irregular yeah, okay. orbit? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Standard orbit, aye, sir. <laughs> that was great. It's a, it's a tiny little moment by a person doing a bit part, and she has a nice little bit of personality. <laughs> yeah. Because awesome. you can just imagine she's like, Lieutenant so-and-so. It's just like, Jesus, really? This is the duty roster I got? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I got rotated to this guy's ship? Like, right. And, she, and she's know. also good later when, she find, when they find out that Spock's alive. And it cut to her reaction. She's, she's like, got like what? The, the look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. Look. yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a cute little she moment. She was good. She was good. Okay. The the uh, unless we have anything else to say about poor Captain Esteban, I uh, I yeah. wanted to draw attention to Lieutenant Foster, who's the yeah. uh, young kind mm-hmm. of. He, he's basically the holdover from the idea in Wrath of Khan that they were doing a cadet training mission. Yep. Yep. Although, if it were a cadet training Mr. mission... Mr. Hero's welcome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If, if it were a cadet training mission, then his rank should be cadet, not lieutenant. I'm just going to... Well, they, yeah, they did that weird thing because, like, Savick held the rank of lieutenant, yet she yeah. was doing training. Yeah. It was weird. Yeah. yeah. Maybe she was in the uh, co- commander training program after Tilly the dropped, C- dropped the out. The CTP? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay, yeah. so... And and then this actor, Phil Morris, we have to mention, yeah. he, he played... An astronaut on Voyager, he was Jem Hadar in an awesome episode of Deep Space Nine called Rocks and Shoals. And then mm-hmm. apparently, uh, Brian, I think you mentioned, he's one of the little kids in Miri. Yes, yeah. he is. Yes, And he then is. he's but... also the son of one of the guys who was on Mission Impossible with uh, with Leonard yep. Nimoy. Yeah, yep. It was Greg Morris's son. Yeah. Right. And then and then to us, people are, uh, at least my, uh, uh, my age, uh, he's most famous as Jackie Childs on Seinfeld. Yeah. Yes, yep. he is. Who told you about the bomb? On? Exactly. <laughs> it's a bomb, right? So that's yeah. he's got a very small role, and, and I don't know if they wanted to do more with him, but it's a, a nice moment and a, a, a great charismatic actor. Yeah. And, and we need to mention one other person. Yes, we, we do. Should. Yes, we, we do. Should, yeah. Who became a big star right after this movie was yep. made? Yeah, like like right after. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, John Larroquette. Yeah. Who was playing Maltz. It's so, it's so random to think that here's, you know, skeezy Dan from uh, Night Dan Court. Fielding. Dan uh-huh. Fielding from Night Court. Yeah. <laughs> He's Maltz. He won multiple Emmys. He became a huge star. Yeah. yeah. John Larroquette. Yeah. yeah. Like a, literally like the that later that year or the following year. 
Yeah, yeah. He's, he's fun in the movie, but he's playing it kind of broadly, too. He's not playing it straight. It's almost but it, comedically. But I think it works out okay. It like, does. Yeah. It like does. the bit at the end where he says, I thought you were going to kill me. I lied. Yeah. I lied. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. In, and in fact, um, in the uh, in the Klingon dictionary, the author thanks Maltz because ostensibly having him as a POW is how we learned Klingon. Uh, <laughs> that's fun. <laughs> that's awesome. I like it. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That is great. And if you guys, uh, uh, totally non-canonically, but a really great comic book series from the 90s DC run with the trial of James T. Kirk. Uh-huh. They bring, oh, so good. They bring so back good. Maltz as a, as a witness against Kirk. Really? And he's and he's wicked. And, you know, as a Klingon, he's super pissed that he wasn't executed, like, in the line of duty, like Kirk said. Sure. So he's still pissed, like, that Kirk didn't do what he said he was going to do. Yeah. And he, like, he's, like, this witness against him for just not even, you know, not even doing what he said he would. It's, it's anyway. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's why, pretty why, great. Why don't you do the decent thing and kill me? Uh-huh. Yeah, because, you know, according to their code of honor, like, he should have just uh-huh. been killed right. you he know, in yeah, action. He robbed, yeah. yeah, he robbed him of his honor. Yeah. Right, so... Which that's that's kind of the TNG influence, kind of retroactively going influence. going back yeah. to them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it was it's a fun. But little I liked role. but I liked that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and at that point, I think we needed a little levity. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. They do do a good job of injecting levity into the right moments, though. I think. Sure. They did. They did. That green-blooded son of a bitch. Yeah. That's that might be my favorite scene in all of Star <laughs> it's Trek. His revenge for all those arguments. He yeah. yeah. Well, line in the film. And and I love the gallows humor that their best friend has been killed. And McCoy is crazy, and when Kirk comes to visit him, he does the the live long and prosper, and says, "How many fingers am I holding up? Fingers am I holding? Yeah. Up? That is yeah, that is great, amazing that's, gallows humor right that, there. That is not very damn funny. No, it is yeah. not. No, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> and one other quick shout out in, in terms of great scenes in this movie. I, the scene between. McCoy and Spock near the end. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very hard. When McCoy tells him, you know, I've missed you and I don't think I could ever stand to lose you again. Yeah. That's a big moment for McCoy yes. to say that to Spock. So good. Even though Spock obviously doesn't hear it because he's unconscious, but like it's a wonderful, wonderful moment. And DeForest yeah. Kelly, it's one of Man. DeForest Kelly's best moments in the entire Star Trek exactly. franchise. D. Kelly just, just like that's his, he's, he's essentially acting alone, right? So that's just him yeah. holding the scene, holding yeah. our attention. It's so good. Yeah, he's so good in it. Yeah. It's a wonderful moment. And, you know, DeForest Kelly probably does not get the amount of credit for what he did playing Leonard McCoy. Yeah. He's, you know, we all talk, you know, the, the Star Trek is thought of as Shatner and Nimoy's thing, but. Sure. You know, I think that's also because D was one of the first guys to go. So yeah. He wasn't, wasn't around as yep. much. I think, I think yep. if he had been able to live a little longer, I think we all would. You know, have like the big three tours at sure. conventions and stuff. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That could have yeah. happened. That could have happened, and it yep, could have yep. been nicer. Yep. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to get that to give that a shout out because, like, this movie, as we discussed at the beginning, is very character driven, and that's yeah. one of the key moments in the whole movie for me it is. personally. It is. Yeah, it is. And and then I like see, how. So, oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. I like how they do the callback to it in Voyage Home when he comes and wants to talk to Spock. And he says, I could not talk yeah. to you about death without a common frame of reference. Yeah. 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 You're joking. Uh, a joke is a story with a humorous climax. <laughs> yeah. You mean I have to die to discuss your insights on death? <laughs> you, you, you really so have good. gone where no man's gone before. 
Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this is not about Voyage Home. We no, already no. showered enough love on that. But but the, you the see highly the highly quotable is, Voyage Home. Yeah. But you yeah. see, like, this is how much this sort of is just the middle of three, and it really yeah. like gets it really sort of needs the goodwill and like of two and four. Like to yeah, help yeah, it, you know? it, it absolutely <laughs> does. This is it absolutely does stand on its own too. the way the other two do. All right. Well, we have been uh, recording for uh, a good little while, maybe a little longer than we thought we would. But do we do we have any closing thoughts we want to leave our friends of the Internet with? Only that I I want to say that there's a great Sarek line that shows this tenderness. that Oh, yeah. To slowly come out. Yeah. I think we just as a parting parting thing, I, I wanted to say that we lo- I love this. Yeah. You know, they ask him and they say what you're talking about is this crazy ancient ritual. You know, this doesn't make sense. It's not logical. And of course, he says, "My logic is uncertain where my son is concerned." Yeah, yeah, so tender. And that might be the first real softening, you know, of this Sarek Spock, you know, estrangement for however many years it is now. You know, at this point, you I kind know, of, it's, I, kind, it's I did nice. kind of feel like it mellowed though at the end of Journey to Babel. They they seem to be getting along at the end of Journey to Babel. It did, but of course, you know, it never goes away that Sark disapproves no, of Starfleet. Right, right, you know. Right. So. Except, but yeah, and you're right, because then this leads into the voyage home. That, that really nice scene, scene at the end of home. the voyage home. Yeah, right. That's exactly it. I, th- I think this, in a way, sets that up nicely. That, yeah, yeah. It's possible I, I was wrong about your enlistment in Starfleet. Mm. Mm-hmm. Your your friends are people of good character. Your shipmates yes. are people of good character. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that that I love that scene. That's one of my yeah. favorite scenes, and it, it's such a wonderful scene. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, good. Well, good. That's a good note to end on, Matt. So thank you for mentioning that. Yep. Yep. Alrighty. Well, there we go. Episode sixty-seven of the Shuttle Pod. I think we can. We can go ahead and set the destruct sequence on this one. And oh, here we go. <laughs> oh, this this, this oh, secret uh, code that's three, so one. hard to crack. Two, one. Uh. <laughs> Kayla, didn't you say it's like the destruct code is what the, the default setting is for a uh, luggage? The lock oh, yeah, it's luggage? A, I stole a line from Spaceballs. So it's, yep. like, it's amazing. One, two, three, four, but in this four. case, it's zero, 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 destruct, zero. That's the zero. kind of code yeah. an idiot puts on his luggage. <laughs> <laughs> that is, by the way, a word for word reenactment of the destruct sequence in the third season episode. Let that be your last battle. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes, it is. Word then, for word. Zero. And then they they reference zero. it again in the Futurama zero. episode. Destruct. Zero. Yeah. Yep. And then you know the. To go back to the sort of the stupidity of the countdown thing, though, and then you know, even though it's supposed to be a concealed countdown, they're not supposed to let the Klingons know. Really, there's no way to suppress the computer from out, like counting down. It, why would verbally? the ship's computer verbally count down well, yeah, anyway? Like really, like okay, so it's going to verbally count down. Great. So now it's just going to announce it everywhere. I mean, obviously, obviously, it was to do the gag, but still, it was to it's do the like, gag. But it's just like, all right, yeah. There's no yeah. way to 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 you know tell it to skip that, like suppress that, you know, like yeah, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, it's good times overall. Good times, though. Good yeah, it's still an enjoyable. It's still an enjoyable movie. It's just oof, it has problems. But it could enjoyable. be a lot better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But we it, it gets redeemed with the next movie. It right? does. If you count it as Act Two of this trilogy, it actually it's it's fine. It's it fine. works. Yeah, it it's works. Fine. And and works. and just to sort of return to my main thesis of this, even if it's a weak film, it's the it's. It is the most influential Star Trek movie, at least, because it, it, it casts shadow, like I say, over the next 10 years of the franchise until First Contact. And then First yeah. Contact would become the most influential thing yeah, over it's, you know, Enter- it's so Enterprise funny and Voyager. To, like, 
it's so funny that you say that and then you think like nah that can't be but you, you know that you pointed out like you're right there's a lot of things that just keep carrying through yeah i have to, yeah. I have to say jared yeah. at the beginning of this podcast i thought uh there's no way we're definitely going to be disagreeing with him on that and then mm. now i i stand well, corrected like- Oh. And like, how many times did we see an Excelsior class starship? Thanks to them making. Oh, oh yeah, sure. You know? like, <laughs> I didn't realize how many little details. This is the first time you see them. I never put that together. So sure, because you didn't sit down and watch them all in order, right? That's right. You, you kind of well, absorbed it over the years. Yeah. Well, plus even in this exercise, we've been we've been watching all of them in reverse order, except for True. this one and Rathacon. Yeah. Right. Yep. Right. And we will probably be doing TMP. Probably closer to the fall, I would think. Closer yeah. to the 40th anniversary. Well, yeah. what we need to remember that we didn't, what we sort of skipped over only because ever people were busy or traveling is we need to acknowledge that, yes, we will be doing a Star Trek 2009 podcast soonish as yeah. well because yep. that hit 10 years last yeah, month. Yeah, can in May, you believe people, it? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I know. So, but people were traveling, like Kayla, you were traveling and stuff, so we didn't do it yet, but we will do it. We yep. are going to do yep. it. Yep, yep, soon. yep, absolutely. All right, gang. All right. All righty. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody.